Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This is a new podcast that we're going to put out and I've been working with Aaron Fennell on this idea for quite a while and it's something that we've come up with. We we released a podcast called Throwback Iron Podcast about two years ago and never really did anything with it after that. So uh, pretty typical for the two of us. We get an idea and then never run with it much. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where Aaron and I have, have been trying to figure out how to make it work and what it looks like and how the whole thing, you know, kind of how's the sausage going to get made. And this first podcast kind of lays out what you're going to expect to see and listen and, and hear um, with this podcast and YouTube videos and stuff that we put out there. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy this, this idea that we've come up with. And the idea behind Throwback Iron is it's just that. We're going to talk about basically 1965 as Aaron puts it through 1995 you know up to 2000 model tractors and events going on in that time and everything from trucks and tractors and combines tillage pieces planters um, semis all kinds of stuff and then just what was going on during that that time frame and every week we're going to pick a pick a year and we're going to talk about what uh, what was going on with uh, either on the equipment side or just the overall world at that point in time, and and uh, this first podcast kind of hits on that idea, you know. And I was uh, Aaron's first guest on this podcast, and the idea behind it was uh, kind of went down memory lane with me from how I got into this business and and the things that I learned and the people that that influenced me and and helped me uh, helped me grow into what I am here in this in this industry and and. Uh, all the knowledge that I learned and and everything that came along the way. So this kind of lays out uh, what you guys can expect from the uh, Throwback Iron podcast, and it is uh, it's a podcast. Where hopefully, we we'll get we'll get posted every Thursday. The idea being it's a Throwback Thursday um, Iron podcast. So with that, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Skies Farm Studios. I'm your host, Aaron Fennell. This is podcast number one, getting going with the very first one here. And my very first guest is Casey Seymour, host of Moving Iron Podcast, and also the father, the godfather of this little project, if you will, that brought all my uh, useless knowledge to life. Welcome, Casey. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. I appreciate it. You bet, dude. Thanks for setting this whole thing up and 
we will just see if the world enjoys their old diesel tractors. <laughs> I, I have a hunch that you're going to you're going to do just fine, so I don't have too much of a concern there. So, as you know, and listeners that have followed on Twitter know that this podcast is dedicated to basically 1965 to 1995 agricultural equipment, tractors, combines, planters, uh, short line implements, and we also touch on semis from that era, pickups from that era. Heck, we've even, on Twitter there, we've even talked about TV shows and sports teams and a little bit of everything, but the focus is is mostly farm equipment from that era, and that's kind of, that's near and dear to my heart, and that's what we're going after. So, Casey here, born and raised in South Central Kansas, and was not a farm kid, but he grew up, you know, he's big on hunting and fishing, and as I recall, a Chevy pickup back then, correct? Yeah. yeah. 81, 82? 81, short bed, two-wheel drive. Right on. 350? She could jump. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a classic rig, you know what? It was a fun truck. It was a, uh, it was the best thing for a kid like me to have growing up. I, uh, I replaced uh, an engine or two, a number of transmissions, probably five or six. Did it have the overdrive in it? Mm, the first one did, but I made sure the second one did. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I replaced everything on that truck from front to back except for the rear end. And then when I quit driving it, my brother got it, and he continued on the Shade Tree Mechanic Shop, the the non-for-profit shade can shop that we had going on there and I think he finally smoked the rear end so I think he uh, he put her to rest one night or one morning it was foggy and he I'm air quotes here missed the turn right <laughs> coming home from somewhere so it uh it went to lay to rest there and I don't know when that been 1990 Eight, ninety, I'm in two thousand, ninety nine, two thousand, something like that. And uh, but yeah, no, that truck was awesome. <laughs> so when I first had it, I had a three hundred five, and it was about half wore out. <laughs> and, <laughs> Which they were new. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. And we had a, we got it, we got it lined up. My dad helped me. We got it all put back together and put a three fifty in there out of a, out of a salvage yard we found, and you know. Got all stripped the engine back down, put new rings and pistons and bearings and all the gaskets and everything. Filled her back up with, with fluid, put her back in, started up, and they could instantly smoke the tires. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so that, that that made a that made a big a big uh, big change in how how not only I I sounded but how I drove. So Absolutely. There, so there was a uh, and. When we had it before, we had uh, short exhausts on there with the uh, Roadrunner Cherry Bomb. Right. Uh, what was it called? Thruster? Thru- uh, thrush. Yeah, thrush. Thrush glass packs. That's it. That's it. And uh, they were short, but I thought, you know, who needs back pressure? Right? <laughs> so just run the straight pipe all the way to the back. And, oh, yeah. And everybody knows when you're coming. So I used to have the truck now that I'm completely annoyed by. So, right. So exactly. It's, I'm that old man now that that looks at that and I'm like, what are you doing? It's unfortunate that that 
I wasn't best friends with that, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Why did you have a two-wheel drive? Because you were in southern Kansas, and back then a lot of things were two-wheel drive? Well, I think a lot of it had to do, more than anything, it really had to do with the fact that if I had a four-wheel drive, see, I could only tear it up on places that I could easily get pulled out of, right? Right. If I had four-wheel drive, I would have 1,000% been, you know, as long as I don't get the uh, air cleaner wet, I'm good to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? That would be my mentality. And uh, my dad knew that. So right. he goes, this will be a good truck for you, <laughs> for you to mess around on. You know? uh, now, what's funny about that, my my first pickup was a 67 GMC okay. that had a big 305 V6 in it. All right. Like a green truck engine. Yep. Four-speed. It was an old forestry service truck. Yep. No power steering. Mm-hmm. Bad deal. Ended up rolling it after football practice one night. And uh, went without for a couple months. And then got an 82 Chevy two-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Long box. Long box. Okay. 6.2 diesel. Okay. There you go. So I could get 28 miles to the gallon and get 0 to 60 and... About a half hour. Yeah. And yours must have been a good one because I was thinking more like two and a half weeks. But <laughs> <laughs> the whole key, and I had the overdrive too, mm-hmm. you know, which is the well, both of mine. I also had a second transmission. The whole key to that pickup was to not use overdrive because right. it had like 308 gears in it. Mm-hmm. So you were only running like. 2200 rpm at 65 mile an hour in drive right you know right and you could actually accomplish something i for years just shifted through the gears mm-hmm. you know take off in second wrap her up drive wrap it up overdrive yeah it was a little, actually a little bit of a vehicle yeah. and that's why i asked the two-wheel drive question because that's exactly why that was two-wheel drive <laughs> because dave says i had and i before that I had a buddy, good friends of mine, two years older and one year older, that always had four-wheel drives. Yeah. And there was not a dirt road safe in the southern half of their county because we would get a quarter inch of rain and them guys are gone. Yeah. Mudding. Yeah. Mudding all the time. And one of those roads happened to be road Dave drives every day. <laughs> so when it was my deal, yeah. I got the two-wheel drive. And I, I tried my damnedest to keep up with them and... Mm-hmm. I'd put mud tires on the back and do all kinds of dumb shit, but mine was the, uh, we'd go bogging around in their pickups, and then if we went to Hastings or Fairbury or something, you know, on a Walmart run, hey, Fennel, let's take your pickup. Right. like, all right, chip in for gas. I need 50 cents. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, didn't even, it, I didn't even go as far as the four-wheel drive thing. It didn't even go to Posi Track. Like, we, it was... Oh, uh, yeah. I just straight up... Two one drive, one wheel, one. Right? Yeah, yeah. it was on purpose. I mean, I, trust me. If I had, if I, if I had had the posi track, I'd have been the guy with the street tires on the front, just regular highway track tires, and like super swampers in the oh, back. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would have yep. been paddle tire kid. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, my dad was a little smarter than what he let on. And one thing, my my uncle was always into four wheel drive pickups and you know wheels and tires and all that, and always got four wheeler magazine and. I remember seeing an article in there. They just for some down in the hall or somewhere. Uh-huh. These guys were taking Camaros and Mustangs 
and putting motors on the back and seeing how far they could get. Yeah. And the title to that article was something about oh speed speed will speed will compensate for two wheel drive. Right. So naturally, I read that when I was seven, eight years old, right. and it stuck in my head. So I have this two wheel drive pick, and I think, well, if I hit that fifty, I can get through it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had that mentality too. There was always a, an old country road that we used to go down, and it was an old railroad bed that went along the lake. But it was, you know, railroad beds that went forever. And there was a, one spot in there where there was a dip, natural dip in it, you know. And I bet when it was full of water, it was probably a foot, foot and a half deep. Right. I mean, and so whenever it rained a bunch, first place we'd go, right? Or I would go, and my friends had to come with me. <laughs> <I was driving. laughs> But it, the thing about that deal was it wasn't just like a little puddle. You know what I mean? It was, I bet it was 150 feet long. You know what I mean? So I'd be I'd be screaming down the road, and, and uh, I'd see it coming, I would just not even let off the gas and get the old water <laughs> oh, yeah. back over top of you. And, yeah. But the thing about it was I had a 50-50 chance that either it was gonna, I was going to do one or two things. I was going to make it all the way through, get stuck in the middle of it because the water got inside right. and like got got the whole oh yeah everything jacked up sugar caps all wet you know one time I had a cracked sugar cap and that's how I found out about it because it got stuck out there in the water <laughs> <laughs> so I had you know it wasn't running right very good anyway I should have done something anyhow but I was like I oh, will be fine and then I got out there and the water got inside the sugar and you know you know you know what fixes that diesel a diesel Oh yeah, you don't have a distributor. You keep it out of the intake. Yeah, you can just keep going. Well, I would always when I do that, I always take a can of WD forty with me. So when it did happen, <laughs> I'd pop the the cap off, spray it down with WD forty, get the first out, let it set for a minute, always fire right back up. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. So it was that was uh that truck was a lot of fond memories of that pickup. Oh yeah, and now you drive the other junk, and here we are. Well. I kind of lost... I had to quit driving the, the Chevy truck because they glued the doors. Oh, shit. None of those glued doors have ever fallen off. I'm just ever. saying, man. This ever. Is, it's the principle of the matter. Not one door has ever fallen off. You got Elmer's glue holding on the door. It's not Elmer's glue. Same difference. Flex Seal. Same difference. That's where Flex Seal came from. They <laughs> 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 started holding them on and Chevy went, what are we going to do with all this? <laughs> we'll sell it to this handsome gentleman over here who gets really hyper about it and he can sell it on TV. He'll cut the floor out of the boat and yeah. then put a screen door in there. Or, uh, yeah, the screen. And then they did they did the whole flex tape mm-hmm. on that one. That's right, yeah. Now, you did a little bit of agricultural labor. A little bit. Back in the day. A little bit. And we had a episode a while back on Moving Iron uh-huh. talking about we were talking about the hay market and different hay equipment and all this and Casey says something about a hay monster which not being a farm kid I swear to God was some made up name that for some and any for some piece of equipment he goes on to describe it and I'm like okay what I know about Kansas there's a lot of manufacturing in Kansas a lot of it like every little town has a blacksmith shop that professionally makes something and horseshoes and horn okay and horseshoes but as he's describing it I'm like there's no way that's a production piece of PC equipment that's gotta be that sounds like somebody took an old Chevy truck an old grain truck 
and did all this to it. So he's going on to describe it. I whip out my phone, start Googling stuff, and it's real. I found it. So that, that will forever live in my memory that you knew something about a piece of farm equipment that I did. The story gets even better as I'm sitting at home watching RFD that I DVR all the time. Machine Repeat Show is on, because that's how <coughs> country I am. <laughs> the DVR is full of RFD. Um, watching Machine Repeat Show, and as he, you know, go and come back for a commercial break, they got their auction stuff on there. And I see something out of the corner of my eye, because I was probably on Twitter or, or uh, Facebook or Tractor House or whatever on my phone. I thought, what was that? So I back up the DVR, and he's got an auction result for a Dewey's. How do you say it down there? Dewey's or Dewey's? Dewey's. Yeah. Okay, because in southern Nebraska, it's Dewey's. Yeah. But out here, it's Dewey's. That makes sense. I mean, if that's kind of, I think that's what they were shooting for when they do it easy. Yeah, and make things, they're going to do it easy with the Deweys. Right. I guess that could be the slogan, though. Do it easy with the Deweys. You know what I'm there you go. Maybe that was their angle. There you uh-huh. go. So anyway, he's got an auction result of a, of a Deweys. Is a company that made it. Yeah. Hay Monster. Yeah. In the flesh. It was, right there. It was awesome. I didn't know. That's so I had to hurry up and take a picture, and I sent it to Casey, and then I sent it to... Machine repeat, we talk once in a while, and I said, I cannot believe this. You have this auction result on here. He got such a kick out of that. And he he said he remembers you stumping me on it. That's not why it was on there, of course, because that's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. But tell me about tell me about that thing again. Well, for 7000 bucks, I think is what it brought, yeah. right? I, I don't know. That I, I, I wasn't guessing. That had to be pretty close to what something like that would have sold for. I mean, uh, you're probably 15 grand, 18 grand when it was brand new. Boy, I don't... You think it would be that high? Because it was like 19... It had been made in 80s, the 70s. 70s, 80s probably, yeah. something like that. So they got they got their money out of it. Um, no, I mean, I, like I said, I, I was... Uh, I grew up in, in, the, in, in town. I always lived in a small town. Um, I, I didn't have... I mean, I had buddies and stuff that were that were farm kids that couldn't couldn't come out and play because they had to go feed cows or whatever right. they were doing, you know. Um, there's harvest going on, so I can't come into town or whatever, you know. So, um, so yeah, I, I had buddies that were like that. I, I mean, I never really took you know any real desire to go out on the farm and help these guys out, um, mainly because I, I just didn't know what I was going to get myself into. Right. But I knew if I stayed in town, I had a better chance of getting grounded. So I decided <laughs> to stay in town. <laughs> so, so for the most part, um, when I turned 15, I think, yeah, 15, yeah, it's 15. So I, would, I was saving money for my first car. And I knew I was moving to a different town, and I knew that you could go haul hay because the guys back back in town would always haul hay but I always had a job that paid more than hauling hay oh yeah you know what I mean yeah and I could, I could make more money and work less hours so I thought hey I'm not a smart guy right <laughs> <laughs> but this seems like a winner so move this new town don't know anybody yet I don't want to go work at Walmart or whatever you know so I'm going to go and uh, you know, I found an ad in the shopper's guide so I'm looking for someone to haul hay I was like great I'll go haul hay and which 
me and you argue about this all the time. But the first thing in my dad's mouth was, "Oh, that'd be great for football, dude." You, I, you know, yeah, it's great for football. And I'm like, <sighs> then I'm like, oh, that makes sense. You know, you, you, in today's world, you and I have a philosophical disagreement about the hay hauling and, and getting ready for football. Yeah, does it help you get ready? For, yes. Does it make you strong? Absolutely. It's your. It's everything. From your eyeballs to your toenails. That's right. So that's why the New England Patriots have switched to their offseason to just straight up hauling hay. Well, so is Alabama. Yeah, so that's all they're doing now. They're just hauling hay. They've done away with weight rooms. What a waste. Hauling hay. Um, Anyway, I show up to this guy's place, and he's a a high school kid. Has his own hay thing going. And it's me and and another guy. Reminded me a lot of Joe Dirt. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) (laughs) Dirt's a French. He he was like Joe Dirt without the full length mullet. It was more, uh, I don't even go skull it to some extent. So it was close. just like just top of collar, maybe. Just, well, that, but he also shaved the sides. Ooh, that kind of had like kind of like a Brian Bosworth thing going. Ooh, nice. But but longer in the back. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, you see where I'm going? And no lightning bolts. No lightning bolts. It was straight up. Look, I got like he like he grabbed two pair of, <laughs> of razor, you know, clippers and zipped them down. At the same time, that's that's Keeps what it looks like. Them wings under your hands. Exactly. Yeah. It's, so me and this kid and this other guy getting this hay monster. Never hauled hay before in my life. Had zero idea what I was getting myself into, and I had a pair of leather gloves and some hay hooks, and I went out and did it, and I I did it for a summer, and the majority of that summer was on the hay monster, and the majority of the summer I spent in the hayloft, not down on the monster like gently dropping the hay bales onto the conveyor that ran them up I had to go drag them to the other end um, so it was a uh, kind of know any different so I thought it was a pretty regular thing right so that guy ran out of had a couple jobs that fell through didn't and so basically my summer was from you know school got out in whatever it was into May and I, I worked for him through about to about 4th of July and then I he kind of didn't need me anymore so I went and worked for another guy he had the uh, that's when I experienced the the pop up loader oh yeah on the side of the trailer yep. you know what I'm talking about and the little pop up deal and then that was when I got to where I was like I don't need the pop up thing I can just throw it up two or three high and then have someone up there and grab it so I would just walk along and toss them up so that was my that was my summer of hay uh, of, of working on the hay thing but but back to the monster it was it was a very unique machine because you had this, a snout on the front of it and you would drive around the guy was driving and basically he was driving down the row that was left by the baler of right. things sitting there so but every once in a while he'd get going and wanted to get cocked in there sideways and it would just <laughs> you know it blow up so you had to stop get off you know and right. dig it all out you know and then and then push it off the side and and then do that and it would be uh, but from a from a hauling small square bells until the accumulator came around that had to have been the easiest way to haul hay from a from a production oh, standpoint I've never never knew it existed so obviously I've never been around one yeah. and it blows my mind my uncle had and of course that's another thing guys our size you show up at a hay hauling job yeah. and you can see the farmer just go yes <laughs> Yeah. The, yeah. the guy shows up like, we're going to haul some damn hay. Yeah. And I hauled a lot of hay, a lot of hay through the years. 
it was always, you know, a hay rack or God knows what kind of flatbed trailer. And you got a guy on up there and two on the ground and somebody driving and and uh, you're just throwing them. Yeah. And it was always the coolest thing to see how high you could get that bale yep. without any assistance. Yep. And I got to the point, you know, I was getting leaner and meaner and stronger, and I could chuck that sandwich way up there. Yep. But I had an uncle, and he only put up, it wasn't a pit, it was probably like a 10 acre patch alfalfa. And me and a buddy went and hauled hay for him, and we were going to put it in the back of this truck. And I'm like, well, that kind of sucks. You can't throw it up the side. Everything's got to be in the back. And my buddy always did the stacking. I was the thrower. And we pull in the field, and he hooked onto that. New ideas who made most of those pop-up pop up yeah. deals. Yeah. He hooks onto that, and I'm like, what is that? He's like, it's a bail loader. And I was like, all right. So he takes off, and it starts turning, and whew, here comes the bales. I'm like, yeah. that's badass. Yeah. We can do this for hours. Yeah, yeah, you can. You All you gotta do is grab it and sack it. Well, we so used I to, can only imagine the hay monster is even better. So what, what the, the farmer I worked for, the second part of the summer. Yeah. So we had he had an he had an old John Deere tractor, and I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But it might have been like a like an old forty twenty or something Probably. like that, you know. And if I'm, I'm pretty sure, no, it was not. It, yeah, it didn't have caps, so it might have been like a yeah, probably forty twenty. Probably and most likely 40-20, 30-10, 30-20. Something, something like that. And but he would always take that and go off to the next pasture, and he'd start bailing with it, you know. And he'd leave us, and he had an, an old like a nineteen seventy five or seventy six. Chevy dually pickup with Ooh. a with a four speed transmission Sweet. and like four fifty eight rear end, so right. you could just like you could put it in the first gear and you could get out. Right, and that's what we do. And it, but it, and obviously it had a, it wasn't like all tore to hell because we could, it would track yep. pretty straight. And so we line it up on the bales and we just get on the back of the trailer. Super safe, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. super safe. Now, Absolutely, what could possibly go wrong? This this was out of track before there was out of track, right? Yep. So we were, we'd go along the thing and it would get it lined up just right and kind of start drifting off the one way or the other and we'd jump off real fast go get it lined back up and then we'd go but there'd be me and another kid that did that all summer and that, that's what we did yeah. just just watch the truck and we had to pay attention where we were at though because they'd be popping up and we'd look back up and go oh, shit <laughs> <laughs> we're at the end of the field we'd bail off and go oh, turn yeah. around you know and come back but that was uh, that was their the hay monster thing what was cool about it was the snout would extend out I think probably 15 feet would be my guess because you had it on the ground it was one thing then another level came out so you could get it to the loft and so you were loaded with it too? yeah I didn't know that part yeah 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 so you you had a you had a conveyor belt right that ran the chain with some hooks in it ran from the snout there's one there and then another gear set up and ran it all the way to the back whole length of the thing so when you had it set up you would just drop you'd take them down you used to drop it down onto the the conveyor and it would just take them and load them and then when you're up in the, the snoop it would or up in the the loft it would just start kicking them out and they were just oh, shit. guys down there there were three, always three guys two or three guys down there and there's always one less guy up in the loft than there was down the right. you know what i'm saying so you were like having to hump it because yeah. people and you're in the barn and it's hot and they're outside 
They're not even sweating. Right. And they're just, and all they're doing is just basically dropping it down and right. letting it slide. And then we're, you know, hooking them and then running to the other end, stacking them up. Making, we get down there and be this giant, hold on a second, give us a minute. And then, you know, <laughs> we have to clear it out, you know, and then go back in and get it set back up. But that was, I mean, it was, it was awesome. And then, you know, the, the best part of it was the ride down out of the snout, or out of the, out of the chute on the snout. And, Going from 138 degrees in the loft to like 95 degrees outside. Oh, it freezes up. You have a new jacket. It's kind of chilly out here. So I mean, yeah, that was that was that was my summer hauling hay. That was the that was the the extent of that. And then I got into town again. You now living in town, um, I started looking around for a job the next summer, and that's when I. That's when I found the old Shady Creek Marina, and it was there. You go. It was again twice as much money for half the hours. What we would always do, of course, I grew up in a town way smaller than you did. Yeah. Well, I grew up in the country, but town was like 900 people. Okay. Okay. So when you're in high school, and there's 25 kids per class, you know, about half of those people are involved with something in the country, whatever. And what we would always do, when you're in high school, there's, you know, usually girls your age that are lifeguards at the pool, you know, that you're, right there. <laughs> that you're friends with and classmates, whatever. So we would always come to town just full of hay, right, from bucking, bucking bales all day, all day long. And just whoop, right in the pool, <laughs> and it would leave this ring <laughs> on the water. Yeah, we've told you and told you you can't do that. You gotta hose off before you come in here. It was like you know right. some damn movie, but oh, it was hilarious. We got such a kick out of that, and it, not only that, but it felt tremendous. Oh yeah, it's amazing how how swimming pool water feels. Oh yeah, when you when you sweated not only through your shirt. But your shoes and your belt and your belt, yeah. My, my belt, I'd wake up in the morning, and I was afraid to bend it because I'm pretty sure it was gonna break. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a sweater, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I sweat getting out of bed and I ate an apple and I, I had a nice little V yeah. of sweat coming Get a ladder out. going. Yeah, so it didn't really take a whole lot for that to happen. So, um, yeah, sometimes I was, I don't know why I even wore my shirt to be honest with you, other than it was a barrier between. The hay and, and my skin. I think that was about the only real reason that I. And that depends on what you're hauling. Because at the end of the day, though, I'll be honest with you, I learned the trick that you leave your shirt untucked. Because after the first day that I did that, oh, it was like I was like, why, why am I so goddamn screwed? <laughs> so I was like, what is the problem? And I lifted my shirt. I mean, it was like looked like the scarecrow. Oh there. man, yeah. So yeah, that was uh, a lot of crash courses there for for old case when. Uh, but you know, we some of us. Sometimes you wear a shirt, sometimes you don't. Know, Holland hay, you know. And even if you are wearing a shirt, there's a 90% chance it's one of your football team, basketball team shirts. That's a cutoff. Yeah, yeah, you cut the And it's off. cut all the hell yeah. the way down to your belt anyway. Yeah, it's like a it's like a homemade tank top. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a it's like an upper body loincloth, if you will. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just some of those. Has, has one inch of connector on the bottom. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> Yeah, I had the same thing, and you wonder why. Looking back on that, I'm like, why did I even have a shirt on? Yeah, because it wasn't. As soon as you get a bell up, it like twisted to one side or whatever. You know? right. So yeah, kind of dumb. 
Use your nipples all scratched up. Yeah, that wasn't fun. At <laughs> all. Oh, man. Well, you know what else? I was sitting here thinking the other day. We've known each other almost 10 years. Pretty close, yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. And I have, since early on, always given you shit that you are a math teacher and a John Deere hat. Yeah. And I've done my best over those, what, nine years? Yeah. Yeah. Nine years to try to get you a little bit of iron love going. Right. And it always cracks me up when once in a while I'll be like, hey, did you see this? <laughs> so I know it's rubbing off on you. Not a little bit. I mean, uh, I am, I'm, I could probably draw a line in the sand of, of when my true tractor knowledge kind of really would kick in. And that would be, you know, I started working this business in 2006. Yeah, 2000. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right before my oldest boy one. So, yeah, in 2006, I started started doing this. And um, you know, I started working for a for a cat challenger dealer a million years ago. And that was my my kind of introduction to the, the whole tractor world. That was, a, you know, a 1987 Challenger CH65A before, you know, before they were called A's. It was A before it was an A. Right. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to have been in that, that marketing meeting when they decided to do that. Well, I'm going to come up with a CH65, I, I guess, B? I mean, <laughs> do we have to put out a, a pip on this so we can get the A's put on the, the, the first generation's ones? <laughs> oh, man. But, so that was my, that was kind of where I cut my teeth in, in learning this business. And <clears throat> I'll never forget it as long as I've, as long as I live, I the first tractor I sold was a Case 1486, Case Ace 1486. I'm sorry. Well, that was that was what I did, and you I need, felt, you need to call that guy and apologize. <laughs> he, he actually came to us, found it on the internet. So, but and you need to fix what you just said. What's that? Case never made a 1486. I said Case Ace. I came back. That's not. Know. That's not it. It's not a Case IH either. What is it? International Harvester. All right, sorry, International Harvester. God bless. Case knew better than that. You knew what I meant. <laughs> so anyway, I took, and it was it was a kind of a it was an omen from God, I guess is the best way to put it, because tractor that old still had the owner's manual behind the seat. Ooh, right on. It was still the original owner's manual. Probably never opened. I, I, yeah, probably not. I was probably the first one to open up, but I took it open. I looked through it, and I and I made, you know, I like, oh, okay, well, here's how you operate the three point. Here's how you engage the PTO. You know, here's the vanity mirror. You know, and, and that, was, that was that was that was my first like ability. That's that, the first tractor I drove was the first tractor I sold, and um, I that was the first tractor you drove, a fourteen eighty six. Yep, that's it. My God, and you could shift it. Yeah, and you could get yeah. in the backwards door and over the levers that are in your way, and yep, that's impressive. Yep, and I could because I read the owner's manual. Yeah, and I taught myself how to do it. This is back before YouTube, you know, <laughs> so I couldn't watch YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, fourteen eighty six. I never knew that in all these years. Yep. I never knew that. That was it. That explains a lot about you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, my. Uh, my introduction to this business was one of uh, 
secure I ain't acting like there's no reason I should be in this business right you know what I mean right. me either <clears throat> no I, you should not be in this business at all <laughs> so it is it's a it's I've had a I've had a pretty uh, pretty sharp learning curve over the over the nine or ten years that I've been well I guess if you do the math I've been doing this for what 14 years 10 12 6 12 yeah 12 years almost 13 almost 13 years yeah so I uh I just had to I really didn't have like you know I didn't have a bunch of guys that I worked with that were die hard on that there they weren't there wasn't like no I'm sure you know not like red or green or orange it was a it was a it was a different group there were a few guys there that were that were pretty hardcore ad guys um but they weren't necessarily guys that I wanted to associate with because I just didn't we didn't right. click right. you know what I mean so it was a it was a tough thing I learned I had to learn a lot of my own and um I had to to figure a lot of stuff out and I, I remember when I started working when I went through the whole interview process and because I went in to make a sales call and that's how I got the job interview in the first place right and I got a job interview because of the stuff I was, I was trying to sell them there and they said hey we got this gig you want to do it and I was like I don't know anything about it and yeah, I know the combine wheels are in the front the big wheels are in the front that's what I know about a combine and so it was it was one of those things where I just I, I told the guy when they hired me that I probably shouldn't you shouldn't hire me because I don't know anything about this <laughs> just letting you know so I guess the point what I'm saying here is a lot of folks, I'm sure, are listening to this podcast that, that work in dealerships or work in other agribusiness jobs and those kind of things. And um, I've had a fair level of success in, in what I'm doing. So don't don't be afraid to to take your chances on the city boy to, to come in and, and learn the ag business because, believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And, you know, keep that. When you're, when you're out looking for people to hire, just weigh all the weigh everything against what you got and and um you know with the the farm economy ever shrinking and, and more and more people getting out of ag um not generationally not coming back to the farm and and moving to town and doing different jobs that are off that are completely non-ag related um there's, there's a lot of kids out there that i talk to at college fairs college job fairs and stuff that don't have any knowledge of farm equipment or farming for that matter and when you start talking to them about how would you like to use your business major to to do all the different things inside the dealership or you're an accountant right okay well let's talk about the different things you can see here not only on the farm or on the in the dealership but in the farm so there's that's probably the one thing i've taken away from this i i don't when i when i start hearing oh they've got to have this or they've got to have that i i i, I I totally disagree with that. Right. So it's a, uh, it was it was a long road, and there was a mini night where I'm like, "What are you doing, dude?" <laughs> <laughs> so much other things you could be doing right now, but I'm glad I stuck with it, and I'm, I'm glad I'm where I'm at, and I'm glad I'm work for the company that I work for, and and all the people that I've met along the way, and I, I, I it's a it's a great journey for me, and I learn something new every day, and because uh, I don't, <clears throat> God knows I don't know everything, and. You know, having guys like like Aaron as a resource. Remember, we used to work in the dungeon. Oh yeah. And we we're going to have Planter Thursday. Every Thursday, we we're going to talk about. You're going to teach me something about an old plant or something. Remember that? And oh yeah. And we we do that kind of stuff. So I mean, those are the kind of things that that I will always 
like really cherish when I look back on my career of, of all the stuff that, that I've learned that by no means should I ever even been anywhere near this. Right. You know, so it's a, it's a good run, and I'm, I'm glad I'm where I'm at. I would agree. So, you ever sell a Challenger combine? Oh, yeah. Who makes that? Uh, that would be an Agco combine. No, who makes the combine? Which Don't is which is made that. which is made by uh, it's under the Massey Ferguson umbrella. There you go, the Massey Ferguson <laughs> combine. <laughs> and who did they buy it from? Uh, if you're paying attention, this was brought up on the Throwback Iron podcast Twitter page this weekend. Okay, I must have missed that. Who makes it? Who makes the combine? Who who started the Massey rotor? Oh, white. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. The white. Right. The old white combine. Used to call the guys in the shop used to call them pterodactyls. Why? Because they always had their side <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and after I first started working there, the guys were like, i got to work on a pterodactyl again. <laughs> what is that? And they're like, I'm like thinking, because I'm a dumbass, right? I'm thinking like, it's really a farm piece of equipment called a pterodactyl. <laughs> this is a, this is awesome. It's just got better. Cases are good on the Just got farm better. Farm pterodactyl <laughs> brings up a picture of a pterodactyl with a pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah. No. So that was that was kind of cool. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of stuff there that was about the Challenger line that I had to figure out. You know, because it wasn't the most. Um, especially on the combine side. The biggest issue was it was always, you're always buttoning up against the same comp, the same thing with Massey. Right. I mean, um, not so much leaner, you know, because the transverse rotor still, and that was different than, than what you had in those other two platforms. But um, when you were going up against a Massey, for the most part, they were, the Challenger actually was a little more of an expensive line, the idea being that it was going to be the Cadillac of, of that line, you know, and that was going to be a target to this. and. Right. and and their base spec tractor was like a, a, a mid-range spec on a Massey, you know. So when you go to bids, like government jobs and stuff like that, the Massey always always won out because they had a true government spec job, right. government spec tractor, you know. So that was always that was always a, a thing there. And But anymore, I mean, they've kind of done away with with that and, and like the melding of, you know, of, of that. You know, they've, they've had... You're starting to see more Challenger dealers carry some Massey lines. Oh, yeah. You know, and those kind of things where there's not necessarily a... Um, not only carry them, but kind of fly that flag a little higher. Yeah, but you also see a lot of those Challenger dealers where they're, they're looking at more of uh, on the Lexion side of the combine, right. too. They're using the, the tire, the, the wheels and the tracks on the Challenger side. Um, you know, I do remember one time at a concept deal where they had a Massey Ferguson, like, MT-765, that was Massey, uh, red and silver. Oh, baby. And it was, it was pretty cool. And um, when I saw that come out, because that was really the big differentiator between us and, and our other inline Agco right. dealers. When I saw that come out, I was like, you know what, man? I I don't know where this is going to go, so it might be time to <laughs> you go work for a Massey dealer. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I mean, go work for a Massey dealer or go find something else out and, and – uh, you know, I ended up working for a John Deere dealer, but um, it, it was just one of those things where I just I was kind of leery about what what direction they were going to go, especially with the three combines and the 
the tractor line. So it was it was a good deal. I mean, um, I to this day I am a, I'm a track fan. I, I I I see those old those old cat challengers. Real cat. You know, with the, the cat. with the cat diesel engines and those kind of like those cats. Those are the ones I. I still have a special place in my heart. Well, and you know, that's what that's what the undercarriage was on the world-famous By River Combine that yeah. sold last week. Yep. It was a 65 cat, same engine, too. Yep. Cat engine. It's a 3906. I think that's what that was. I don't remember. Oh, it was a 31 or 35-something. I can't remember. I thought it was a 3906. I don't remember. But, yeah, it was, that was far and away. Like, I, I still. It was a bulletproof rig. They were, they were, they were, they were a solid, a solid tractor, and and uh, it's uh, they just could never, just never. They were a little, probably a little early for their time. Yeah. You know when they came out in eighty six or eighty seven was the first year for those. Eighty six. Eighty six, and, and I think it was introduced in eighty six, eighty seven was full production. Yeah. But then again, you got guys, you know, drop it off at the scraper dealer. Yeah. You know, the scraper dealer, the road grader dealer, and be like, here, go sell us the farmers. Yeah. Yeah. And that, there was a... Uh, and it wasn't the rosiest of times mm-hmm. to invent a, a very expensive high-end tractor. Yeah. Yeah, at the time it probably wasn't, but it was also different enough that it, that it drew... Oh, yeah. It drew a big, big, big draw. And I remember they would always... Because it would seem like the cat dealers all were Rome dealers. So you had you pull the big Rome disc behind it, you know, and, and just go, you know. Walk the dogs. Especially some of those where you had like, uh, oh, what they call those? I can't remember what they call them. A construction disc. Yeah. They're like six foot, seven foot, eight foot wide. With like forty inch blades. Yeah, and they they're made for ripping the ground up and then right. sort of dry out and that kind of stuff. So there there was a thing. That, and, you know, Ernie Hahn and Michael was one of my early 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 mentors and I thought the world of him and he was he would spend a lot of time with me and and he does he lives in Great Bend so anytime I had a chance to go to Great Bend I was going to go to Great Bend and spend as much time as they would let me spend up there right and he would always uh you know he's the one that taught me how to to do the math to get from uh, on a track machine that there's there's not as much um horsepower loss because you're only running through one set of differentials and not two. Parasitic. Yep, parasitic. And we were we do all that, and he taught me all that stuff, and he taught me how how to go out and actually sell a guy a track machine and talk about berming and all these different things and going over hills and cresting and all that. Stuff. Right. Because he been he was a guy that lived in the same he lived in Larnard where he grew up at, born and raised there, lived there forever, and he worked at every dealership that was in Larnard. Gotcha. You know, the international dealer, then the case dealer, then they went out and then worked for the deer dealer, and then they got bought out by somebody else, and they shut down that location. Then he worked for the agco dealer that was there for a while, and then they, whatever, and then they needed an ag salesman for the cat dealership I worked at in, in Great Bend. And so he, he did that, and it was this it was one of those guys where any time I had a chance to listen to his stories, they were awesome. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it was like, I remember back in 56 when the tornado came through and, you know, like those kind of stories, you know? And, and just how much more iron it sold that year because of how many farms it got and, you know, this, that, and the other stuff. And I'm like, you were selling iron in 56? How old are you? <laughs> this would have been like 2005, 2006, 2007, right. 2008, something like that. I was doing the math in my head. I was like, damn, dude, you've been doing this for damn near 50 years, years, you know? And 
he's like he finally retired and 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 the guy was a was just a sweetheart of a man and he's one of those guys that worked his ass off his whole life and then retired and died six months later uh, you know yeah. what I mean so he was, that's why I'm not gonna retire he was, <laughs> but he didn't really retire like he just like a freak thing happened like he had a one of the custom cutters guys would always be like you want to go on the run he'd be like yeah I'll go with you and I'll, but I'm only going to here you know and right. he'd, he'd come back right. you know and he'd he was a guy who like running the green card or you know whatever you know and he was like I'll go from here to here but I'm not going any further you know and that was this deal but he was I love Ernie was awesome but he's one of those guys you look back on in your career that like man you taught me a ton and yep. I and I really appreciated that time with him so it was, I got put in a in a good spot because that also there I learned a lot about how I look at used equipment like my method my method. Yeah methodology there you go how that how that worked you know and and understanding how you know the auction markets have an effect on the retail marketplace whether it's indirectly or directly um you know sooner or later retail prices are going to always correct back down to a certain range within auction value you know and, and and kind of picking that stuff up and, and understanding how that stuff works together and all these different moving parts of you know the, the picture quality to the description to the this to the that you know and then when I left there and I came out here and, and, and worked out here I, I, I started applying that stuff and and um, but it was, it was a different game you know what I mean because I remember the first time I started from the volume that I was used to to the volume that I because I, I got out here in 2009 2010 something like that which was right in the uptick of the upswing right yeah. and I remember sitting at my desk one day a bunch of mud deals coming through and it was like I had 85 evaluations on my body. I was like there ain't no way in hell they're gonna sell this much stuff <laughs> this is I, they're just wasting my time you know what I mean and yep. so I'm like so I finally called up on the store man I was like tell your guy he's at his limits up <laughs> right he's he's out of credits <laughs> And but that was that was a, that was a learning curve, you know. When I right. going from you know we might sell five combines in a year, and that was like yes, yes to we sold five combines today. <laughs> right. you know what I mean? right. And it was so that that swing and that and that learning curve of, of of getting your mind wrapped around all those different things that take place. It was it was a trip, man. And it was, get your mind wrapped around fifty is a good number. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We only got we're down to fifty combines. It was. Cause that was a crazy thing too when I when I took this came out here and worked for the John Deere dealer out here and and worked for the dealer back there at one store they had more inventory used inventory in one store than we had all of the stuff we had right. and it was like and I mean it was talking like getting stuff to turn it was it was a chore you know what I mean and because I was graded on the same way the construction guys are graded right. you know what I mean we have we have eighty five bulldozers return twelve times a year. Like, oh, that's awesome. I got five combines. Like, hopefully it'll turn once this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And and I will say a lot of that might have been focused too. Like the company focus wasn't right. necessarily there. And and that you see in some of these other ones and some of the bigger cat challenger dealers that you see out there now that have separated it out and they've got yep. two don two you know pillars that are one's ag and one's construction. Um, that might not have been been the, the focus that you see there um but it was a it was an eye-opening event to go through here and, and, and see even even on the case side because i'd never really experienced a bunch of case dealerships when you're working against the number of deals that you have and the number of deals you're working against case on or whatever else that was 
also I'm like, holy shit, man, we have been in a protective environment for a long time. You know? So it was it was a it was a cool thing, and you know? I'm glad I had that experience, and oh, yeah. it, it really shaped what I am today. Yeah, totally shaped it. Some of my cautiousness probably comes from that. I would I would imagine. That's my. Back in the depression story, you know. <laughs> right. We'll be sitting around someday. I remember in fifteen when our wheels came off, it was just awful. <laughs> yeah, I'll be something I've been doing. How long have you been doing it? Fifty years, like twenty eighty five, you know, and yeah. like, Well, you know. It'll get better. It happens all the time. <laughs> Back then we had to drive them. Yeah. Now I have to just go out there and control it on a computer from my desk. So I yeah, a lot of fun. Right on. Couldn't, couldn't think of a better place to be than in this industry, so. I agree 100%. It's been good to me. Been good to me, so. Yeah. What else, man? Man, that's really it, man. I just I appreciate the uh, the uh, friendship that we have here and and uh, all the times you've been on the Moving Iron podcast and, and the, uh, the amount of stuff that I've not edited out of the podcast that I probably should have um, but, but all in all dude it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, and, and you've made my, my podcast pretty successful over the years so I appreciate that oh I appreciate the comments and I've appreciated being on and looking forward to doing this thing with you and making it happen man right on. so that's going to do it for this episode of Throwback Iron Podcast I'd like to I'd like to thank my guest Casey Seymour for being on the kickoff number one episode I'm Aaron Fennell we'll catch you next time moving iron in the 21st century hard working people working hard for you and me moving iron Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Move